Welcome to the Diligent Endeavors podcast, where we interview people from all walks of life striving for success. We share highlights, interviews, and stories of others to spread inspiration, valuable insights, and content. Remember to put yourself in danger of success. So today we've got Muzzy. I am not going to try and pronounce your full name whatsoever. <laughs> I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> so could you give us the pronunciation? Because I've got no chance. <laughs> so the, the full name is Muzzy Ngayenjo Vunduna, yeah. which is exactly why it's just shortened to Muzzy. Safer yeah. that way. It certainly is. Certainly is. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't even try and attempt that. I make myself look stupid. So, uh, so we've got we've got Muzzy on the Diligent Endeavors podcast, episode number two. So Muzzy is a, an SA specialist. I actually just learned something about Muzzy just speaking before we hit the record button. And um, we'll, we'll speak a little bit about that. Uh, uh, actually, well, let's go into it now. Because the first question I wanted to ask you was, you know, what did you do before property? But let's go a little bit further back than that. Because I, I don't know if a lot of people know this about you. I sound a little bit like Michael Caine then. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of people know that. Right, anyway, let's stop doing bad impressions. So before, you know, way before property... Sort of talk me through where you were living, and, and let yeah, let just tell me tell me a little bit about well, one how long you've been in the UK, and then and then a little mm. bit before that. Yeah, so um, I've I've been in the UK since two thousand and four, um, and like you said, not many people actually know that I was not born here at all. So I came to the UK in August two thousand and four. And I've been here since. Um, before that, I was in Zimbabwe. I'm originally Zimbabwean. I was born in Zimbabwe and I came here when I was 17. And um, I lived in I lived in the capital city. It's called Harare. It used to be called Salisbury because Zimbabwe was colonized by the English. So it used to be called Rhodesia, uh, the country itself, named after the Cecil John Rhodes, the Englishman who colonized Zimbabwe. And... Um, I grew up in a police camp because my mom and dad were police officers. And for those that know that time frame, this is the Robert Mugabe era. And at the time it was, um, to be fair, as, as kids, we didn't know much about it. My parents did a really good job protecting us from that kind of environment. So we didn't have to think too much of it. But um, my dad because he was a police officer, had to be part of the, the ruling party. And um, it turns out, I found out later on, he had affiliations with the opposition party. So he had to escape the country. And because of that, um, obviously, we were at risk because we were affiliated with my dad. So um, after a short while of being in the UK, he came here um, initially, as um, uh, as a, 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 I can't even remember what they call it, but then essentially it's it's a political immigrant essentially that needs protection and they come yeah. out here, and um, because of that, 
the the UK government kind of helped getting us as the rest of the family to come here as well. So soon after he got here, we were invited straight here and uh, we've we've been citizens since then. So yeah, I, I, I wasn't actually born here at all. And I came here in, in, in that in that form. Mm. So I mean, yeah, that's a lot of, um, you know, when I ask people what were they were doing before property, um, yeah, you know, I didn't expect that answer because, as you say, not a lot of people actually know this. Um, yeah. A lot of people, would, the answer would be, oh, you know, I was working here, I was working there, but to actually be escaping some political, you know, whatever was happening in that country, and yeah. then with your dad being really involved in it as well, and and then having to flee the country, that's that's big. That's a lot to go through. Yeah. That's a lot to go through. And, yeah. um, you know, fair play for your mom and dad for keeping you protected and not exposing you to as much as they, um, you know, as much as you potentially could have been. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to go on to the question about what did you do before property? So as soon as you landed in the UK, you didn't just think, right, let's let's just do some property. You know, we're going to get into the UK. <laughs> let's just get let's get some houses. Um, so what happened? Before, so when you got to the UK and then when you started property, what were you doing in between? So it's it's an interesting story, actually, coming to the UK. So because my dad came here a couple of years before us, he got here and the jobs that he did was, you know, um, most, most immigrants will understand this. You just pick up any job just to keep yourself going. And obviously, because he was supporting a family that's in Zimbabwe, he had to pick up three or four jobs at the same time. So he was a cleaner. He worked at McDonald's. He did all sorts of little, tiny little jobs trying to make ends meet, essentially. Uh, lived in a one-bedroom apartment so he can spend as little as possible for, for himself and the rest would come to us. So he didn't know too much about what really is out there in the UK, um, what we could potentially do. Now, most of, uh, most of the people that come from Zimbabwe, uh, males will usually go into any type of little job and, 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 and sort of like put things together and just work and do anything. And most females will end up in care. This is what usually happens. I'm not entirely sure why, but it's what usually happens and it still happens now. And when, when we came here, um, my mom was an advocate of, of education, said it doesn't matter how difficult life is, you've got to go to school, you've got to go to college, and that's priority number one. So she made sure we did that. Yeah, because you, um, you, you were you were you were 17 when you came over, yeah. so that would have been, what, just uh, first, first year of college? First year of college, that's it. Yeah. So I had to go straight to college at the time. Now, I had already passed my what's called O-levels in Zimbabwe, but when I brought those uh, qualifications here, they were null and void, so I had to do it all over again as GCSE. Yeah. So um, that's what I had to do first. My younger brothers had to go straight to school, obviously. Now... When I asked my dad, because he was the experienced one in the UK, say, what, what should I do career-wise? What's the best thing to do? And he didn't really know too much. And he just told me about what he thought would be the best in terms of making the most amount of money. And that's childcare. Okay. Now, 
um, he said, go into childcare, of which I was, re- I was, I was always good with kids anyway in our family. I, I sort of took care of kids. So I thought, yeah, of course. Now, what I didn't realize was childcare is not really much of a male environment. So when I got to college studying childcare, um, I quickly realized that um, I'm a bit different to everyone else in the classroom it was just female so I had the stairs and obviously I was thinking what is going on here so I only lasted about three months in that course and I had okay. to quickly leave so I told my dad now nah, can't do that it's not my thing so um, let's do something a little bit more um, acceptable for my gender so I chose to do engineering mm. wasn't really keen on engineering to be fair I just wanted to something where other boys were were and um, I'm a big fan of football so I started playing football with just random people at college of which I found out most of the guys were doing engineering so that's what I ended up doing okay now it's 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 something I did not because I absolutely loved it it's something I just did so I wanted so I could fit in yeah but then I ended up really enjoying it I ended up loving it and that were that became my um, my career essentially um from that point onwards and then I sort of moved up the corporate ladder until the point that I was a production manager in an affluent automation company in the West Midlands so that's that's how my journey got to just before I started property yeah okay so yeah that's really wow it's it's just crazy isn't it you know you've cut you've come over from Zimbabwe and then your dad said well go and do some childcare." And yeah, yeah, and then you just end up doing something just to try and fit in. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's um, that's a bit that's a bit mad. So, uh, have you worked anywhere else? Like, where's the most recent place you've worked prior to property? So, prior to property, it, before I actually started working for companies, because in engineering I became an apprentice. So the good thing about that was I could train and work at the same time. Yeah. Um, but I also worked at Burger King. I worked at McDonald's at the same time. Um, this whole culture of, of balancing two, three jobs was kind of drilled into me by my dad. So we just, we just did it. And it was kind of a, a normal thing. Um, the McDonald's and Burger King jobs were were kind of side things whilst whilst I was focusing on my career, and um, so I've worked for so many different um, automation companies, manufacturing in the West Midlands because this is the main industry really in the West Midlands. We 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 build cars, we assemble stuff, and um, the most recent one was um jaguar land rover and that's that's where i was working that's the job that i recently left uh before i actually decided to do property full-time now property was a side thing whilst i was working at jaguar land rover for a little while until i decided to take the leap okay yeah so whilst you so ah so okay so whilst you were working at jag um well it's jlr isn't it jaguar land rover whilst you were working there that's when you sort of got into property albeit uh, part-time so what whilst you were working there what kind of got you into property who got you inspired how did you how did you get involved Mm. in property 
Yeah, you know, some things when 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 they're happening, they just seem weird. And when you think back at them, you're like, how strange that that happened. Now, the property itself. Now, here's my mentality at the time. Um, some people might still be going through the same thing. Anyone who's doing property is filthy rich. That was in my head. So anyone who's doing property is filthy rich. And this is a dream for some time later on in the future. I need to raise shed loads of money working really hard before I get to the point where I can purchase my first property, buy to let, essentially. Now, that's what was in my head. So there was no point in me looking at property. Now, when a few friends of mine um, who are in Birmingham had been talking about the fact that, are they doing property? They're doing property. In my head, I'm like, wow, at your age, you know, at your age, you're doing property. This is really impressive. It must be, I don't know, inheritance or something, right? And then they told me about property training. Um, So our friends, they're they're really close with my wife. And then my wife and my sister-in-law decided they wanted to go to this property training in Manchester, of which um, they then asked me to drive. So I became just the driver. I accidentally went to this property training company and it was a two-day course of which initially my thoughts were, what, what, what could they teach me? You just need to raise a deposit, buy the house and rent it out. What, what else is there to it? There's nothing else to property, right? And um, <laughs> when, when I got there, oh my gosh, like my eyes were open. I thought to myself, where have I, what have I been doing my entire life? <laughs> I cannot believe you can make money out of property, even when you don't have any money at all. Even when you don't own the property, all of that was just a foreign concept to me. And I got seriously hooked. And I mean, I was accidentally there. But of the people that I went with, I'm the one who just went crazy at it. I thought, this is it. This is it. This is what we're going to do. Whether I do it on my own or I do it with everyone else, this is it. And that that's what changed. And this was in 2018, November time. Okay. So you actually, no one actually inspired you. You were, you were inspired when you found out that there were other strategies or other options available to you and you ended up going there as a complete accident. Yeah. So what, what happened with the other people that attended? Have they gone on to do other things in property or did they just like? So it was, it was the three of us, myself, my wife and my sister-in-law. So we are actually still working together at it. Yeah. Uh, we made a few friends when we got there because I'm, 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 um, I'm a bit of a social freak. So I love the environment of meeting new people that we've never met before. So networking events and that stuff. I love that. So I quickly made friends in that environment and majority of people that I spoke to there, um, let go they don't they don't do property at all um a few of them have told me this stuff doesn't work a few of them have told me i've lost quite a lot of money it's not something that i think anyone should continue going at some of them were complaining about the trainer the fact that you know you were were let down they lied to us and all that stuff and that's when i i realized that we we can all be put in the same environment and we we would see completely different things and respond completely differently because we all train, we're all trained by the same person. We're all trained at the same time, but 
the result afterwards is completely different. And it's not down to the trainer. It's not down to the training. It's down to what you are looking to put into it. 100%. It's really important that you've said that for anyone listening, <clears throat> looking in, looking to get into property because I've been in property now for about what four and a half years. I've been in and around more in depth with the educational stuff um, as a yeah. mentor and a consultant for a for about a year now um but you see people come and go and then i've been sitting on trainings with you know this with some people and they've gone on to be wildly more successful than me and also some other people that have sat the same training have gone on to do absolutely nothing and it's really important to remember that we all sat the same training um and yeah i mean you can there's a saying, isn't it? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Absolutely not. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, there are so many different trainers out there and uh, companies. Some of them I've heard are very, very bad. Some of them are very, very mm. good. You know, when you find a good one and then you've got two different opposite ends of the spectrum where one person's become wildly successful and someone hasn't and they've both said the same thing you've got to ask yourself is it the trainer or is it the men the, the mentee you know is it the delegate so yeah it's really really important to remember that so that's that's yeah, um absolutely. yeah that, that's that's really how long have you been in property for them so officially three years now yeah cool yeah because it was it was um november 2018 that i um i initially got introduced to this so i would say from then on up until now it's officially three years now cool so in those three years and i've got an idea of what the answer to this will be what has been your best property deal and then we'll go and ask you what's been your worst property deal and by <laughs> by worst it it could be where i don't know builders have absolutely messed up something or potentially you messed mm -hmm. up something it doesn't have to be in relation to the amount of uh money that it generates the, the cash flow um but yeah in your mm -hmm. eyes what's the best deal and what's the worst deal in my eyes my my i'll start with the best one because I, I love this and i think it's going to be the best one for a very long time um it's the first buy to let. So the first property that I actually bought um, as, as, a, as an investment property. And the reason behind that is I bought it with none of my own money. And it's another one of those things that I thought, yes, it's possible, but not for me. Yes, it's doable but not for someone like me. And when you achieve something and it happens to you and you actually follow through a simple process, and I mean, we go through the same training. It's a simple process. It's not easy. It's a simple process. And when you follow that process and it actually achieves a certain result that I personally initially thought was never possible for me, that just made it absolutely huge so it's not necessarily about the property itself or the profits that i made 
it's the fact that I switched something in my head and started believing that it's actually possible for someone like me and therefore I can do it over and over and over again so it's it's just that realization that you know opening that Pandora's box that you are able to do this so that became my very best best one yeah nothing to do with the profits nothing to do with anything else but just the belief of yes you can do it too Mazi. yeah and that's really important a lot of it comes down to mindset doesn't it but for anyone listening i know that there's a lot of sort of negative vibes around the whole no money down um sort of industry or following and Mm. let's let's be real okay no money down is a marketing strategy okay mm. if, if 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 it was called someone else's money down or very little money down it wouldn't be as good as no money down so let's <laughs> yeah. get that right okay uh-huh. it's none of your own money or it's very little money okay in comparison Absolutely. and that's for anyone listening when we're talking about no money if you're going to think mm. well, that's bullshit well it, it kind of is and it kind of isn't. There is some money involved. It just doesn't have to be your money. So, again, for everyone listening, Muzzy, if we can just look at that deal and break it down a little bit. So, mm-hmm. first of all, how did you find the property? Mm-hmm. And then secondly, because you mentioned that you didn't use any of your own money, where did the money come from? What kind of structure? Because there's some, you know, some people listening might be in the same sort of mindset that you were prior to that, where you didn't believe it was possible. And the podcast is all about sharing insights and valuable content so that we can help other people, you know, go on to achieve success as well. So first yeah. of all, congratulations on completing that deal in the way that you did. How did you find the deal? Okay, so finding the deal was um, through leaflets. Um, I dropped some leaflets in in my local area. And at the time that I was dropping the leaflets in that particular area, it was January time, right? So for anyone that that says that leaflets don't work, they do work. You just got to do it consistently. Um, Don't just post a hundred and then go, well, I didn't really get a deal. So they don't don't work. How many leaflets did you send? Oh gosh. Um, I think in that area was 5,000 leaflets. Wow. Did you do all those yourself? Oh no. (laughs) I I initially got excited and I went around delivering leaflets. I think for myself, I probably delivered like a hundred, maybe 150. Yeah. 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 And then you quickly um, realized you quickly yeah, realize it's you, yeah it's not practical it's not worth your time so you out you, i guess you outsource that straight away uh, yeah i outsourced it to a company and um they they did that for us um so in this area i, I delivered i think it's just over five thousand, and it was in january and then i didn't actually deliver anything else in that location until probably about august time which is yeah. last year but in in june i got a phone call okay. from someone in that area saying um i got your leaflet and i asked the area and they told me and i thought i haven't dropped a leaflet in that area since january yeah and this was just in the back of my head 
And I was like, gosh, when did you get that leaflet? And he goes, I had this leaflet probably about February time and I put it in my pocket. I've had it in my drawer for the past few months, waiting for the time that I'm ready. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> Leaflets don't even last three seconds from the point you pick them up from the door as you go to the bin. This leaflet lasted in his drawer for about five months. I thought this is this is something. This is definitely something. So I knew at that point that this person was actually going to be a very special person. So I was looking forward to meeting him. Now, um, you've seen the post. I'm pretty sure you've seen the post. Um, this is the chap who, when I opened the door, he was holding a baseball bat. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, in terms of finding the deal, I found it through, um, through leaflets. Um, and then we arranged a viewing. He obviously forgot that he arranged a viewing. And when I got there, I was holding a baseball bat. And this was because he kept a baseball bat next to the door because the area itself is just full of little kids who mess about. And they're always knocking on his door. He's an old man, always knocking on his door, messing around and um, just winding him up. So he opens the door with the baseball bat and chases them around. So they seem to enjoy that. So they keep doing it. So when I knocked on the door and <laughs> he was holding a baseball bat, as you can imagine, I was thinking, right, okay. Um, so he goes, who are you whilst holding a baseball bat? And at that point, I looked again at the door number just to make sure I'm on the right door. And then I said, we have um, a house viewing. Now, given I, 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 um, I had come from a football game, so I was wearing my tracky, my tracky stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. did not look. I did not look like someone who's coming to a viewing, to be fair. Um, I, I, I sort of always do that. I forget about this whole appearance business. So I just just go in whatever I'm comfortable in. So um, he probably thought definitely one of these kids. So when I told him that it's a viewing and then um, he kind of remembered it, apologized, walked in and we really clicked. Um, we spoke for about an hour and a half and I didn't see the, the upstairs of the property oh, okay. because yeah, we yeah. were just walking and talking and talking so I think at that point I actually believed at that point that the property was mine before we had even discussed any numbers I knew it because we had clicked so much now we eventually agreed a certain uh, a purchase price of about 94495 bear in mind at this point in my bank account I probably had like 200 pounds Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But probably 200 pounds in my bank account and I made an offer of 95 grand. So what just going um, backwards a little bit. So what was the um what was your mindset because again a lot of people will struggle with this. A lot of people struggle mm -hmm. with the mindset of how can I offer on a property when I haven't got any money myself? So how did you exactly. how did you kind of get over that? Now, the truth is at this point I had started mingling with people that have the right mindset. This is the time that I'd joined the masterminds. This is the time I was speaking with the likes of yourself and, um, and all the guys that I in, in, in uh, Kevin McDonald's mastermind. And at this time, the conversations that I was having with people outside were changing. Therefore, the conversations that I was having with myself was changing. Yeah, 100%. And that's that's massive. Absolutely massive. I, I love the way you put that then. The conversations that you were having outside, you know, 
to, to other people mm-hmm. were changing. So the conversations internally in your own mind were also changing. Absolutely. That's that's Absolutely. really that's really powerful. And that just comes back mm-hmm. to around to the fact that you are the average of the five people that you hang around with the most. There you go. Absolutely. So that that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So okay, so we're in the mindset of we're in Muzzy's mindset now, and we've we've got mm-hmm. 200 pounds in the in the bank. But we've just <laughs> we've just made an offer of ninety odd thousand pounds on this property. Mm-hmm. So does he accept? Does he accept it? I take it he accepts the offer. He does. He does. He does accept it. What I what I knew as well in the back of my head was the property as it was. It was probably worth around about one fifteen to one twenty. Yeah. But what I also knew was it wasn't going to take that much money to turn it into a one hundred forty grand property. Yeah. So I knew that in the back of my head. And because we clicked so much, I actually told him. I told him exactly what I was planning to do. I told him that this is what I'm looking to do. I think this property is going to be worth this amount of money. I'm happy to purchase it cash at this. And this is the reason why I want to purchase it cash at this point, because I'll be able to pull the funds back out. Now, this guy, he was honest with me all the way through, and I could tell because um, so, so some of the information he was sharing with me, he didn't have to tell me. So he just was getting tired of going up and down the stairs. Yeah. He only need, needed probably about 60 grand to be able to purchase a bungalow, which is down the road from where he was. That's and cheap. that's all he needed. That's cheap for a that's bungalow. Really where, where, where's this property? Well, he, no, he needed to top up. Oh, okay. Because four, four of our people that are in London... <laughs> Um, you know, <laughs> what we're gonna buy for that? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So uh, this is this is the West Midlands, whereby sounds like yeah, everything's this is dirty. the West Midlands. He had um, he had saved up quite a lot of money, and he needed about sixty grand to be able to top up and purchase his bungalow, and then a fee, a, just um, a, a little bit more to be able to just live comfortably. Yeah, so, so that's you- all you actually needed. So, so you've gone into this this, uh, this this gentleman's property, you've listened, you've taken the time to actually talk to him mm. and understand, because that's what so many people get bogged down in. They get bogged down in the figures and they don't actually listen to what the person's problems Either. are. Um, you've got, you, everyone buys from people who they know, like, and trust. You know, if a large brand mm. does something, so recently, um a large was it like yeah large supermarket um put out a christmas advert and it wasn't really the best thing they could have done they're going to lose a lot of business through that so because they've damaged their brand so same with with us if we are dealing with people um we've got to listen to them and if they know like and trust us they'll also do business with us what was it did he give you a reason why he didn't want to go through a letting uh, sorry an estate agent's he actually didn't have to because he saw the leaflet before he needed to. Okay, yeah. So, so he... his, his plan was to go through a letting or, or an estate agent at some point, but the leaflet hit him before he got that. So yeah, cool. He didn't have to. Perfect, perfect. So, mm-hmm. and the other question is: so you you've you've listened to the the gentleman, you put you've put a proposal together. Uh, potentially, you yeah. might have given him a little bit too much information but it was your first deal so that's uh-huh. cool and it was the right person to do it with because you know he was he was cool with that so now you've got this offer 
you walk out of the gentleman's house and then in your own <laughs> mind, what, what's going through Muzz's mind when you walk out with 200 pounds in the bank, 90 odd thousand pound offer, you walk out of this gentleman's house and then you just say, what do you say to yourself? <laughs> to be honest with you, my initial reaction was absolute like overwhelm. I was, I was so excited that um, he accepted that offer because I knew from my initial calculations that this was going to work. Um, so my initial thought was, oh my gosh, this is absolutely amazing. I tried to hold myself from celebrating as I was walking out his door, got in the car, rang my missus and I told her and her question, understandably, where are you going to get the money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, I'm, yeah. Do you know I've done that so many times in the past, whereby you go and make an offer, and then you think, what, how, how, what, what's next? Like, yeah, yeah. So I completely understand that. So what did you say to your uh, to, to your partner when she said that? Yeah, she she said, where are you gonna get the money? Uh, my response initially was, can we just celebrate this success for a second, please? Yeah, let's, let's forget that for now. But um, yeah, forget the most important part. Forget the most important part. Who cares about the money, eh? <laughs> so at at the at the time, obviously, um, I had I had been sort of like thinking about this for a while anyway. And like I said, the conversations that I've been having with people that I surrounded myself with were were changing. Therefore, I knew because I had said it enough times that the money is not the problem money is there there's there's that much money it's ridiculous and if you have the right deal if you're the right person and you just add value and you you be a good person to anyone and everyone that you meet up with finding money is not going to be much of a problem yeah that's true yeah this is the this is the old thing about the chicken and the egg isn't it so do you Mm. go and get the the money first or do you go and get the deal the properties first and it's kind of both isn't it so you've got to be putting yourself out there marketing mm-hmm. for both of them it's not one or the other it's both absolutely absolutely and i i, I quickly realized that instead of going out chasing for something the more you work on yourself and be attractive things start coming to you the deals will come to you the money will come to you and um fortunately for me I had like six or seven phone numbers that I I knew I could either ask the money directly to them or they know someone who can raise the funds for me so it's not it wasn't a difficult thing for me so at the time um, I managed to raise the funds literally about 20-30 minutes after the offer was accepted so it wasn't really yeah yeah so you've gone into this guy's house you've offered him 90 was it 94 Mm -hmm. was it it was ninety four four nine five. You've you've offered him ninety four thousand pound, ninety five thousand pounds for this property. You've got two hundred pounds sitting in the bank. You phone your partner. She says, "How the hell are we going to buy this? Because where's the money coming from?" You just want to celebrate, mm-hmm. but in the back of your mind, because you've been surrounding yourself and networking with like minded individuals, and you've actually got phone numbers of investors, you know that if this deal is good enough. Mm-hmm and it fits the investor's criteria, the money's not going to be a problem. And that is a big thing to try and overcome in mindset. Um, It really is. And the whole reason why not a lot of people go forward and put themselves in danger of success 
by doing mm. the viewings and making the offers is because they've got that little thing in the back of their head saying, Muzzy, where, where are we going to get the money from? And <laughs> exactly. it's, and it's that thing. If you just break through that, you get to accomplish what you did. There you go. Absolutely. And in, in it's, it's an internal conversation and which is why I absolutely love this deal because it shut that voice out, like completely shut that voice down because whenever it, it, it tries to show up now, I use that property as a reminder. Yeah. Listen, the money doesn't have to be mine. Yeah. There's a lot of learnings just from that one deal in relation to rapport building mm. mindset. Um, yeah. Networking to find the, find the money through investors. There's mm. a lot. So yeah, I can see why you've chosen that one as your best one. Mm. Um, what was your worst one? I would say the worst one, um, not necessarily because of anything major, would be the first one. What, this first one or the yeah. first rent to rent? No, no, the first rent to rent. Okay, yeah. So yeah. The very first ever rent to rent, there was a lot of learning. Um, obviously, major excitement because it's the first deal. And as you're aware, um, the most difficult deal the most difficult property deal you're going to get is most likely going to be your first one yeah yeah um because there's a lot of mindset shifting that has to take place um, so what, what makes it the worst one i mean what what do you looking back now what did you do slightly wrong and how can other people you know not fall into those yeah. mistakes <sighs> The major thing that I did wrong is believing that I have to do everything. Yep. That's, that's the major thing that I did wrong. It's a three-bedroom house. I also, <laughs> sorry, I also think that, and there's going to be so many different polarizing views about this. I also think on your first property, being it a buy-to-let, and obviously this is going to depend on your skill set. Mm -hmm. I'm a very mm -hmm. hands-on person. I know I can do a lot of things. Um, I'll refurbish mm -hmm. this house I'm sitting in on my own with a little bit of help from my dad and my brother, but you know, I've yeah. got all the tools I can do most things. And that is a bad thing sometimes because I just jump in mm. and I'm doing it myself. But I believe, and as, as I say, it depends on skill set that you should always do as much as you can yourself mm. for your first deal. Then you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. the work that is involved in that. And you can, yeah, you know exactly what's involved, you know how long things take. It's good to get stuck in on your first one. And then after that, then you can then you can outsource. If you've got no skills in DIY or anything, don't even bother. Just outsource straight away. But it's going to be dependent. So the first one, go. so the first one is you got too involved. We all mm -hmm. we, we all do that. But as I say, I think it's really important to do on your first one but going forward and I do it all the time I still do it because I've got all the tools and I kind of like <laughs> it and then I, I start like I've just done how what have I done I've just done a bathroom like why am I doing bathrooms but I like <laughs> I like getting my hands dirty and doing it and mm. it's just yeah anyway that's my own thing that I need to stop doing yeah. I need to what I tell you what I need to do I need to sell all of my tools then I've got no no option <laughs> that would probably not stop you because you still find a way to get it done yeah I've got a multi-tool that'll do I'll do most things with that <laughs> <laughs> cool so we got to, so was that the main thing that you you think you uh where 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 you 
it, it sort of made it the worst deal was that you got yeah. too involved. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's the it's the main thing, and almost anything and everything that surrounds that um, that learning. It may seem like a failure looking back at it, but it's a learning. I had to go through that to understand the importance of not doing it. And um, you hit the nail on the head there when you're talking about the skill set. Yes, get as, as involved. The way I look at it is get as involved as possible when you're doing your first deal so you understand the, how long it takes, you appreciate the amount of work that has to go into it. But if you don't have the skill set, don't do it. So I, I, I don't. I'm not really a DIY person. I, I have no skills on that element. But because I was making decisions based on what's in my bank account, therefore, I'm going to save £100 doing that. I'm going to save £500 doing that. I'm going to save this if I do it all myself. So firstly, I did it wrong and it had to be done again anyway. Secondly, it took so long to do because I'm working full time. Now, at the time I was working shifts where I was doing afternoons, nights, afternoons, nights and mornings rotating every week. And that can be a nightmare, even if you're not doing anything else outside. Um, Therefore, I only had weekends. Now, it's a three bedroom house that we turned into our first serviced accommodation unit. And it took three months to set up that is absolutely ridiculous and unheard of because I only did it on weekends and in all the weekends that I was doing the work I was doing it wrong so I had to get a professional to come and do it anyway that was a complete waste now not only was it a waste in terms of the money that I tried to save it's the opportunity cost when looking back at how much money I could have made in those three months I could have paid uh, professionals 10 times over to do that work yeah yeah because it, it should I've, I've run two SA units for 12 months um, yeah so I completely understand I mean I I even did some flooring and, and this was one of the first deals I did as well did I, I actually replaced the bathroom floor myself like yeah. why didn't I just get someone else to do it <laughs> but again it was early days and mm. as you say you, you've got an and doing the rent to SA or rent to rent HMOs when you're just starting out, it is all about the maximum leverage that you can get for the minimum cost outlay. There you go. Yeah. You know, and if you're starting with sub a thousand pounds, you've got to be really creative. And Absolutely. that's what I like about it. That's what I really like about it. But also mm-hmm. on the flip side, and I think you'll agree with this rent to rent. Mm-hmm like especially rent to SA is touted as a beginner's strategy, Mm. but there's so much to it. It's not, it's not for a beginner in my, in my eyes, looking back, there is so many regulations in relation to obviously rent to rent HMOs. And then you've got SA does, does you, it's it's basically the hospitality industry that you're stepping into Um, it's not simple. Well, sorry, it's not mm. easy, but if you follow a process, it can be simplified. Um, yeah, yeah. And what's your view on that? Is it, it, would you say it's a starter strategy for people wanting to get into property? And I know that it, people look at it like that because of the, the low entry points in relation to the capital that you're going to um, 
outlay up front. But mm-hmm. as far as the strategy mm-hmm. is concerned itself, how, what's your views on on that being a start strategy? I, I completely see why it is seen as a, a, an entry level. It's mostly because compared to having to purchase the property, it's it's a it's an easier thing to do. Yeah. Now, because it's seen as an uh, an entry level, there's less money that you have to put in, and especially for service accommodation for the majority of the country, there's no regulation. So the requirements for you to be able to get a property set up and start running, um, there's there's less hurdles you have to jump over. However, the big thing which you have already mentioned, it's not easy. It is not an easy thing to do for any type of property. It's not an easy thing to do to get it all set up and actually start running it in the way that it's supposed to. And the other issue that I have is the perception that's created over service accommodation being um, this huge money-making strategy. Therefore, people come into it expecting to make millions pretty much straight away. And then they get so disappointed when you realize you haven't actually made any money in your first four months or something like that. And you're thinking, what did I go through that pain for? It's not worth it. Or understanding that it's a seasonal thing and you're trying to generate your maximum amount of money in the wrong season. And it's, it's, it's some, it, there's a lot more to it. And a lot of the SA operators or a lot of people who get into service accommodation, even after training, find out a lot more about it after they get into it. And you're right. It's absolutely not easy. Not easy at all. Yeah. And the thing is, you, there's some people out there that actually self-manage and then you've got others that outsource that to a management agent. And that's yeah. cool. And that's the way to leverage and outsource. And obviously, as you get more experience, it does get a lot easier. I'm not trying to skip me and Muzzy aren't trying to scare anyone off from service accommodation. Mm-hmm. It's just about giving you that balanced view of, yes, mm-hmm. it is great when things are going great. When you're starting out, it can be a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a hustle because you are trying to do as much as you can on the smallest amount of money for, for, yeah. for, for a lot of people. I'm not saying everyone. And then, you again, you'll also want, because you're, you're building this business, this service accommodation business, it becomes your baby. So you want to look yeah. after it and control it as much as you can. Um, but yeah, all we're doing here is demonstrating not only the upsides but the downsides and just trying to make, keep it keep it pretty real. What's your biggest fear, Muzzy? Have you got a fear? Oh, yeah, there's um loads of fears to be honest. Oh, I love it. Come on then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is it, oh is it, gosh. Is it a top 10 or is it a five or is it three? How many have we got? <laughs> um so if if we keep it to the the business side um no no no, say... no 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 i want to know like come on animals you'd be scared of spiders and snakes let's go for that no 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 i'm good with spiders um obviously snakes is a bit of a problem but it's not something i would put in the top 10 because i don't really encounter them that often <laughs> so i'm not worried <laughs> about snakes um i would say probably being irrelevant. Do you want to expand on that a little uh, bit? Yeah. Being irrelevant. Being in a situation where um, you're not required 
you're not important. Uh, whatever it is that you think is of value is not required. So you've got uh, okay, yeah. So it's a it's a sense mm-hmm. of belonging and actually being needed within. And this is this is based mm-hmm. on business. I take it being needed within a sector, creating that supply and demand. It's the demand part that you're most worried about. It actually touches on both business and personal. Um, Shit, it's getting deep, man. I'm, yeah, I know, I know. I, I mentioned at the start that I'm a I'm a, I'm a social creature, mm. and I love mixing and mingling with people. And um, I don't I don't even know where the fear came from, and I think that's what actually drives me the most to really understand people so that whatever I give out is relevant to what they need. And one of the worst things in my head is offering something that is not needed, being a person that is not relevant and essentially not being needed whatsoever, therefore yeah. being absolutely irrelevant. Yeah. That means my whole being, how I, I feel um, I was designed, which is to offer, means everything I'm looking to offer is not needed. I think that fear, as crazy as it may sound, is a good driver for me to be able to, to give the, the required value with whoever it is that I'm working with at the time, the required value to whoever I need to be at the time, be it a husband, be it a father, be it an investor, be it a vendor, be it a lender, whoever it is that I need to be at the time, I think it becomes, it's a fear that drives my strength. Mm, that's, um, I was mm. not expecting that as an answer. And that's really, um, that, well, it's meaningful, really is. And I can see where, yeah. I can see what you mean. Wow. Um, yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting that. Cool. So (laughs) (laughs) what would you say, you know, going through what you've been through, um, and, and bear, bear in mind, we haven't really spoken that much about your business either. Have we on this? (laughs) We've just, we've spoken about quite quite a lot and we haven't even touched (laughs) on your service accommodation business. So how many units are you at at the moment? Gosh, I always get this number wrong and I have to be corrected wow, by a business partner. Um, <laughs> I think we now have 23. So 23. <clears throat> yeah, 23 units now. Cool. Um, and that's in a space of three years? Not necessarily. So the first property was in September 2019. Yeah. That was the first property. And then um, soon after that, COVID hit and everything was fun and games. Um, by the end of 2020, um, last year, I only had eight units. Wow. So you've, you've grown really, really quickly. And yeah. I guess that's due to, the, you know, a little bit of the compound effect, isn't it? And as you go, as you go yeah. more, you start scaling more. Um, it is the compound effect and also the fact that I left my job at the back end of last year congratulations for becoming unemployed (laughs) thank you very much 
There's not many social cir- there's not many social circles that can cr- congratulate you on losing your job. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're in if you're in property or business, if you lo- if you sack your boss off, that's it. Congratulations. We'll throw you a party. <laughs> so what what would you say? Uh top three tips are for achieving the success that you have in let's face it a relatively short space of time going from zero Mm -hmm. property to going to 23 units what's the top three tips i'd say number one and this is always going to be my top tip for most things personal and business is um getting to know yourself getting to know you um i usually use the terms start with why inspired by the book from um the book that was written by simon sinek before you even get to a point where you want to do something understand why you're looking to do it to start with answer that question personally the answer to that question does not have to be impressive to anyone else So some people actually do this and think, okay, I'll find an answer where if someone were to ask me why, um, it would be impressive to someone. But the answer does not to be impressive, need to be impressive. It just needs to be meaningful to you. And uh, I quickly learned this uh, because once you get to to challenges and you're going to feel a lot of challenges now, and I know know you would would know all about this as well. You're going to face a lot of painful challenges. And the first Thing you're going to ask yourself once you hit those challenges is why on earth am I doing this why have I put myself through this what on earth am I doing and if the answer to that question is not strong enough or meaningful enough to you that's the point you're going to turn back around that's the point of failure so I would say tip number one have a good reason why you're doing it and get to know yourself more than anything else get to know yourself what makes you tick uh, what are your limits? What are the things that you like? What are the things that you don't like? And and focus on that. And that way you can you can get yourself to function at the best of your ability because you know yourself. Mm, that's that's yeah. tip one. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> what's, tip num- what's tip number two? Right. Tip number two, um, understand where you're looking to go. So whether it's a business, it's a strategy that you're looking to to take on. Um, It doesn't even have to be property related. Understand where you're looking to go. um, Set your goals. So it's 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 service accommodation what are you looking to achieve in service accommodation is it the amount of money is it the amount of properties is it um, to get to a point where you can leave your job what exactly is it that you're looking to achieve set that goal because there's no point in just moving not knowing what direction you're going to and I think it's Jim Rohn who says that in five years time we're all going to arrive somewhere the question is where so you can either arrive by accident or arrive by plan so set your goal understand what it is you're trying to achieve that way when you're making your progress you remind yourself where you're trying to go and you know whether you're getting closer or you've completely gone the composite uh, a different direction so that's tip two understand where you're trying to go i.e set your goals cool and number three and number three surround yourself with people that are helpful to you 
This, however, means you might have to let go of certain people. <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. Oh, we've, had, mate. we've had to. I'm I'm pretty ruthless nowadays. And um, yeah. Leanne, my wife, who's the other host of the podcast, she, she she can't believe how ruthless I am sometimes. And in relation yeah. to if someone is not helping me in a positive way towards what I am trying to achieve, I will mm-hmm. cut, I will cut them out of my life because if, <laughs> if they're not helping me try and helping me or, or even just being positive, then they're taking mm-hmm. something away from me. So why should I go. give, why should I give them, um, you know, my time or allow them to be in my company? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm so ruthless, mate. Really, really. Ruthless. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I think we have a finite amount of energy and every bit of it needs to be exerted towards something that is taking you somewhere that you want to be. And every person that you spend time with, you're spending time and energy. And if that energy that they're exerting or is forcing you to use negative energy or trying to balance them out or trying to lift them up, all of that is energy that you don't necessarily need to be letting go of. So at the point that I understood that I need to surround myself with people that are taking me where I want to be. um, The second part of that is you need to let go of people that are not. And that's, that's the part that I really needed to really settle into And I repeat the point that I'm a social creature. Therefore, I don't like losing people uh, because that's my, that's the, to a certain extent, the source of my energy. Now, I had to quickly understand that if this person or if these people are not necessarily helping me to where I need to be, I don't need to spend time with them. Yeah. Simple as. I don't have to spend time with them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people as well, they're quite scared or yeah I, yeah let's use the word scared they're scared of hurting people's feelings there you go yeah but these the people that you're potentially scared of hurting their feelings they probably don't care about you anyway <laughs> true so what's that, the i mean that is true. I, i've gone to the point where i've actually cut myself off some, from some family members mm-hmm. like I'm, i mean i am ruthless like big talk i haven't spoken <laughs> to my one brother in about six months just because every time I phone him, it's an hour's conversation. It's just negativity. I haven't seen my, my dad's wife in, bearing in mind, they rent a house off me. I have never, I haven't seen her in about a year because she started being negative. I was like, bang, shut us down, cut you yeah. off. Next. <laughs> Let's see how else I can cut out my life. But seriously, <laughs> so, and, and it all comes down to self-respect. Don't be worried about cutting anyone out of your life if they're not helping you or if they're just negative all the time. And the other thing that I do, I don't, and you, you might do this as well. I don't watch the news anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was one of the major things that, um, to be or, fair, I learned this before I started doing personal development. Mm. Um, firstly, as a child, news was always boring to me anyway. So I, I never actually watched it. And then at the point that I understood it and started watching it, I realized that, um, it's the negative news that sells the most. So that's all you ever hear. And I, and I, start, I started thinking, why am I actually getting depressed by this? Why, why am I watching this stuff here? There's so much more that's happening in the world. And some of the information that 
I know is happening out there, which is beautiful, is never spoken about. Yeah. So why am I actually using my energy and time listening to stuff that's only going to drag me down? So I stopped. And um, I, I, I tend, at the moment, I tend to listen to a lot and watch a lot of stuff that is personal development wise. And in terms of entertainment, I watch comedy because it, it just it just lifts me up. I love a good laugh. So that's, that's, that's uh, essentially me. The other part of um, the element of sticking close to people that are taking you where you want to be, for me especially, and um, this might resonate with most people that have, have traveled a journey that is similar to mine, you usually want to succeed with your community, with a lot of friends that you've been with ever since you where whoever you are and there's times where you feel so heartbroken and I went through this where I realized do you know what we can do so much better so much better than what we're doing now we're only living a small fraction of what we're capable of and it's natural that most of the times as you grow, you look up to your parents and your parents' level of vision is based on their own experience and they have a cap. Now, when you get hit that cap and you think, nah, I can do far much more than this. And then when you realize this and you want to go, the first thing you want to do is tell your friends, tell your community. This is what I'm doing now, guys. I'm doing this property thing. It's amazing. It's really good if we all go together. But if they're not of the same mindset, if they're not seeing what you're seeing, if you spend time trying to convince them, guess what? You're not moving. Yeah. You're not going anywhere. And those are the people that inherently bring you down, even if they don't mean to. So the best way to prove to them, the best way to show them what it is that you can do or that what you all can do is you go. Go as high as you can, even if you get to a point where people say, well, why didn't you teach us? Why didn't you show us this? Once you get to the point that you're trying to prove to them that you can reach, then you can show them. And at that point, their mindset, when their mindset is ready, that's when you can actually start inviting them to actually come with you. Because I, I, I went through that period and it slowed my journey so much because I had to justify my every move with people that I've known me for a long time. And it's, it's, it's exhausting, frustrating, exhausting, and it's not worth it. Yeah, that's, I think that's why I'm ruthless. I don't even try and explain myself anymore. I just like, <laughs> well, this is how it's happening. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I'm really straight talking. There you really, go. Really, <laughs> really, I just... There's no bullshit with me. It's just, I'll just tell you, tell, tell you how it is. Watching the news, though, I think, and oh, this is, um, I think this was Denzel Washington. I'm, I'm mm. sure it was Denzel. He said, if you watch the news, you're misinformed. And if you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. Now, there's a, you should keep up to date with the news. Just don't watch the mainstream media news. So on your phones or on, on um, media apps, you can actually filter what you want to hear about. So you can hear about the property industry, the business. Um, you can filter it down pretty well. So for anyone listening, I'd probably do that if you want to filter out all the negative stuff. And do you know what else? Which has got, and you, you mentioned it, you touched on it very briefly in relation to the flow of energy about this. I do believe there is a flow of energy, okay? Mm -hmm. In relation to... If you're watching comedies, like if I was to put Kevin Hart on or mm -hmm. other, com other comedians are available, 
but Kevin's my favourite. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Hart on or The Rock or something like that, and it was a funny, funny movie or it was a little sketch, it would make you feel happy. If you were to put something negative on, it's going to make you feel negative. So I, I don't watch um, like the dramas, like all of the big soaps, because there's so much drama in them. And it just, I uh, just, so yeah, if Leanne, it's a, it's banned in my house. Leanne doesn't get to watch it if I'm in the house. It's just a massive <laughs> no-no. So yeah, that's really, really, really important. So mm. we've gone, that's the three tips, isn't it? We've done the three tips. We have indeed. Because we expanded on those quite a lot, didn't we? Which is really yeah. good because I like to give, you know, the most, um, the most insights and value as we can. So we're into the quick fire questions. Muzzy has no Here idea. Muzzy has no, no idea what these are. So we've, got th- we've got three questions. Um, and we've got to keep these, or I'd like to keep them short and sharp answers. And mm-hmm. it's got to be the first thing that comes to your head. So have you got a party trick? And if you have, what is it? Oh, I, I play around with my fingers going around the, the opposite way. You what? Sorry. I don't know if you can see it. I can see it, but we're on a podcast, Muzzy, so no one else yeah. can actually see. So, <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to describe it because I've noticed quite a lot of people can't do it. So my my right finger is going clockwise, and my left finger is going anti-clockwise and doing it at the same time. So they meet at the bottom and meet at the top. Oh wow! And now I'm watching. I'm watching Phil struggle to do it. Is that doing it? No. Oh you, right, both, okay. Both okay. your fingers are going the right, the same way. <laughs> Okay, well, this is this this is definitely not something <laughs> to be even tried on a podcast. Um, right, so Muzzy's got some weird finger trick that he does where he spins fingers around in different. Okay, that's whatever that is, Muzzy. Cool. So you got a party trick. Next time I see you, you're gonna have to demonstrate that. Um, uh, no problem. <laughs> what was your worst subject at school? Oh, that was um, that was. A language called Shana. So it's a local language in Zimbabwe. There's there's two main, three main languages in Zimbabwe: English, Shana, and Ndebele. And Shana is one of the languages that um, oh, I did absolutely terrible. I can speak it, just couldn't write it. Oh, okay. Just couldn't do anything else with it. That was my worst subject um, in in school. Yeah. I wasn't definitely. expecting that answer either. Um, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of instances where I wasn't expecting something in this episode, which is cool. It's, re- it's, it's cool. So the last quick fire, tell me something about yourself that not many other people know. Oh, gosh. Uh, something about me that not many people know. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting. I can't swim. You can't swim. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> I, can't, I can't swim. Not a big fan of the, the water. Not even a doggy paddle. Oh, uh, me. I, I, I do what's called survival. Right. So you lie on your back, yeah. push your belly in the air, and oh. hope for some hopefully <laughs> someone rescues you. <laughs> okay. No, I can't I can't even float. I've tried that. Oh man! I see, I see people do that. People that are so much bigger than me, and they're just floating. And if I try it, I, I sink. I can't, right. I, I so can't stay, do it. Top tip. Top tip for Muzzy: Stay away from water. 
exactly and on, exactly on that <laughs> on that note that brings us to a, to an end it's been amazing having you on here Muzzy. i've learned so much about your life you've gone through so much and um yeah i wish you all the success for the future appreciate it phil thank you very much cool catch you later mate catch you later phil Thanks for listening to this episode of the Diligent Endeavors podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with a friend and remember to put yourself in danger of success.